Well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we're still in Genesis chapter 8. Um, we discussed the flood. The waters have receded. Um, we talked about the ark as a type of Christ. I think that's what we covered last week. All right. So now here we're at the exiting of the ark. And this is Genesis chapter 8, uh, verses 15 through 22 is the, the exit. Um, what I'd like to do is if we can just start over here with Brooke. You guys can read one at a time. Okay. I want to read um, verses 15 through 20. All right. And God spake unto Noah, saying, That's on the one verse. Okay. <laughs> Go forth of the ark, thou, and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping <coughs> thing that creepeth upon the earth. That they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful, and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt sacrifices on the altar. Alright, so here you have the exiting. Basically, God gives Noah and them the same commandment that he gave who? Adam. Adam, right? All right, he just, he, he says, go on. He says, you know, I want you to um, multiply and all the animals are going to multiply. Um, go forth and replenish the earth, right? Now, he continues to use that creepy thing upon the earth. God just really doesn't like bugs. He doesn't. All right? <laughs> Those creepy things. Um, one of the, what's that? You sure you stopped that? We all have creeps. There's an uncle there now. <laughs> uncle Uncle Ham, <laughs> right? Um, so what I what I want to talk about briefly here is verse twenty. Right? Noah builds an altar and offers burnt offerings or sacrifices. Okay. This is the first time the altar is actually mentioned. Now, we know prior to the flood that, you know, Cain and Abel came together for offerings. So it was a teaching that had come about. But this is the first time the altar was actually mentioned. What's interesting, the rest of the way out is, you know, Noah is delivered from this time. What is the first thing he do, does? He builds the altar to worship the God that saved him from the flood. All right? And that is the same thing. When you look at that is today, we, Jesus Christ died on the cross for what? To save us from our sins, to save us from the judgment time. What do we do to worship God? Do we give him what he is due, right? So God made a way, right? He, he put all the clean animals on the altar so that it can be done. So when he came off, now, there's, a, um, there's two commentators. I, I was really looking into this. I really liked what they had to say. So uh, I'm going to read what these two different commentators 
said on, on this verse, right? So uh, in the commentary of um, Matthew Poole on uh, Genesis 8.20, it says, The first thing that Noah did is to pay his debt of justice and gratitude to that God which had so miraculously preserved him and restored him to his ancient, ancient and proper habitation. God expects to be served first. And that's really interesting because do we put God first? Everything that we do, is he top priority? And I'm talking about across the board. Even in, in, in church and our ministries, do we serve and worship God. When we come here on Sunday, do we just come because it's what we do on Sunday? Now, those of you that have had kids or have kids, typically, how does a Sunday morning go when you got little ones trying to get them ready for church? Are you in a worshiping mode? <laughs> no. No, not at all, right? It's not with just twice. Those with husbands, right? <laughs> You know, when you wake up in the morning, is it, oh, today is, you know, serve Jesus, you know, worship our holy God. (laughs) Why are you still in bed? We have to leave in five minutes. Here's mine. I'm in it, Erica. Get up. I'll let the devil start. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing this out of me. Listen, mine are, you know, I mean, Charlie's 20 years old. Charlie, go back in there and comb your hair. You know, right? It's like... So, you know, when we wake up in, in those, when we wake up in those mornings, to come serve God is our main focus that of worshiping. Typically, when we come, we have the songs of worship, right? We have our hymns that we sing. A lot of that is to prepare our hearts to be focused on the presentation of the Word of God. Now you think about it. When church first starts and they get up there and the music begins and they're singing, how many songs are we into before people are actually focused and actually singing? I'll tell you right now, it's a good hymn or so. People are still walking around, chit-chatting, they're having their conversation. What's that? Hymns. That sound like Catholic songs. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about in general. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about us here today. You know, I, I, I put a thing about, you know, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. You know, he's presenting the gospel. He's presenting the word of God. How diligently are we listening to what he has to say? Are we reading along when he reads along? Are we possibly taking notes? Are we honestly applying that to our lives? You know, and so when you have Noah walk off this this boat, the first thing he does is give God the glory. Jim, real quick. I say one of the proof texts of somebody getting saved, you go over to Romans 10, you read verse 11, and it talks about how to get saved. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I've found that if I've led somebody to Christ, if I talk to them a day later and they've been just telling family and friends what happened to them, they're, they're more than likely saved. If they've told nobody, usually when you talk to them a week later, 
it's just they did something to get you to get you to get them going so that they don't have to listen to you anymore. So that's a well, proof test. Yeah. Well, you know, modern Christianity has placed everything on what what makes us feel good, that's what right. benefits us. But that's not how this works. God expects to be worshipped, and he expects to be worshipped a particular way, right? He accepted uh, uh, Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain's, right? There are false ways to worship God. And in that text, we read that the Lord, verse 21, the Lord smelled a sweet Savior, all right? So um, Adam Clark, this is a little bit longer. He says on verse 820, he says, it is worthy of remark that as the old world began with a sacrifice, so also did the new. Religion or proper mode of worshiping the divine beating, be, beating, being, is the invention or institution of God himself. And sacrifice in the act and design is the essence of religion. Without sacrifice actually offered or implied, there never was, there never can be any religion. Now, is there salvation without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? In this altar, in, in the offerings and stuff, can there be worship without the actual sacrificing? No, there isn't. True, pure, honest religion is the way God says it to be. I know they say religion is man-made. God commands us to worship him in his way. Um, the design of the sacrifice is, is for us, and it's twofold. Matthew, or Adam Clark says, the one, the slain of the, the animal is to remind, to remind us the life of a sinner is fortified, for, forfeited to divine justice. So in the act of sacrificing is for us to know that there is nothing we can do. We are going, there's justice demands our life, right? Death from the Garden of Eden, right? So the act of slaying the animal is to remind us that justice demands our death. The burning is to remind us that our soul deserves the fires of destruction. Okay? So we do, think about this idea of the sacrifice. We deserve death and we deserve hell. Now bring that down to, to a humbling thought. None of our, that, that takes works out of everything. That breaks, tears me down. It's no longer what I want. If we woke up every morning and realized that Jesus Christ paid the debt that I owe death and hell. The destruction of Christ paid the price of death and that we <coughs> deserved hell. Does that refocus us a little bit back on what it should do? And that's Moses, or Moses, Noah walks off this boat Coming from a time of immorality where it would have been easy for him to just go along with the crowd, God delivers him out of sin and bondage and brings him into this whole new world. What is that a picture of? Our past life, 
through Jesus Christ, our new life. Okay? Some can even say that exiting the ark was kind of like the new birth. All right? Our second birth. You have this idea or this picture of when Christ delivers me, because he delivered us, we should live a life of holy worship. God's style, not mine. God's style. And that's the rough part. There are now things that even though our flesh still likes, that does not please God. Amen. And we have to change how we feel and our likes to that of what pleases God. Now, they walked off of this ark. There wasn't hundreds of thousands of animals, right? Noah could have very simply said, listen, I can't slaughter all these animals. What am I going to eat? Right? Because here in a minute, God tells them he can start cooking steaks. All right? They had a year to have a baby for two. Correct. Yeah. You know, so he could have been like, listen, I will give this to God after we start having some some more uh, some calves. Alright, I'll I'll do I'm still gonna hey, I'm still gonna give to God, right? As long as I do, who's it matter? But that wasn't that wasn't Moses's Moses. Noah's <laughs> Noah's mindset. His mindset was I give God first, and then I'll trust God to take care of me after. And so when we serve, we should serve God first and allow God to take care of us after. And that is the hardest part. The hardest thing to think of is that idea of putting God first in everything, no matter what it is. Our time, think about this. What would you all think of the pastor if he decided not to show up to 11.30 today? Thank you, Clark. Thank you, Clark. <laughs> oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> think about this. What are, are our expectations? But no, we're all sick. I mean, think about this. If we're, if we're all come, we have Sunday school, we go up in the church, we have a sit down in church, the musicians start singing, and there's no pastor. And then he kind of rolls in, 11.30, 11.40. Well, you know, I just wasn't moving very good this morning. We're going to think, hey, you're supposed to be here, right? Do we ourselves hold to that same standard? Do we hold ourselves to the same standards of those of us that God has put over us? What is important to us is, you know, friends and family hanging out every weekend more important than being here to serve God on his day? We need to put God first, no matter what, no matter how the sacrifice, if that means that, you know, they have um, at our work, if we read, meet a particular um, production level, Fridays we're allowed to come in two hours early and leave two hours early, right? Mm-hmm. Going to bed that much earlier to be at work at five o'clock is a huge sacrifice. It's hard, okay? <clears throat> I have a hard time getting to a five when I go to bed normal, right? So I gotta go to bed a little bit earlier but the reward is I get off work at 1.30. Mm-hmm. 
we don't have to be at church till 10 or 11 o'clock. Right? We have duties. People, you know, a lot of us have things that are expected of us. Do we prioritize God? Noah walked off and prioritized from the salvation of, of, of through the flood. What is our worship? Is it a holy worship? Is it a God-inspired worship? Is it God's way? And that's the things that, you know, when we're looking at this, this flood, are we loyal to God first? Now, verse 21, who's next in that? Um, verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. So God accepted it. It was the way that God wanted it. Now, how, how nice would that be to know? When we talked about how cool it would be for God to look down on us and we found grace in the eyes of God. Wouldn't it be nice to know that our sacrifice to God, our offerings to God, were as a sweet savor to him? Now, we, you know, we, the, the kids come over and we make cookies and stuff and we grill chicken. And we tried this new mix, barbecue ranch uh, marinade. Boy, it smelled really good. <laughs> Tasted really, really good too. It was. It was really good. I'm sitting out there on the grill, and I'm, I love, I love the smell of a good grilled meat. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just that good, sweet. Mm -hmm. And and so you know, you talk about incense in, in the temple and how it, you know rises up to God. God looks down on us, and what we are giving to God is either a sweet smell or a sour smell. God knows our heart. Listen, I can't look out here and say, all of you, you know, if it was to me, I'd say all of you are great God-fearing individuals, and everyone here loves God. I don't know what's actually in your heart. God does. It's true. So, I mean, we might be fooling each other. But we're not fooling him. Um, it, it, you know, and he's, he talks here, and we'll get more into this a little bit later, but I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Uh, for the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth. Listen, you cannot trust the desires of your heart. It will lie to you. Emotions are the most lying thing. It can be manipulated. It can be controlled. How many of you watch scary movies? You like scary movies? Okay. Change the music in a scary music to some uh, movie. How different will that make the movie? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Probably wouldn't change it for me. I mean, you, you take it, make it carnival music. Oh, no. <laughs> Except for the clowns. Period. Except for the clowns. But think about it. You know, why do you think music is used? Because it builds suspense. It builds... You know, you hear that, what do you think of right off the bat? You know, Jaws, yeah, the Jaws music, you know what I mean? And that's what it is, is our emotions. It's like, you know, you go out to Halloween Haunt at King's Island, which is, we probably shouldn't be doing, okay? But, uh, you know, you, you, you do it during the day without all the smoke. How scary is that, right? It's not. That's why they have children out there during the day, right? When you think about the things... Our emotions, our hearts, 
can be controlled. Man's heart, it says right here at the very beginning in chapter 8, that <clears throat> the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Maybe not to your own understanding, whatever it is. Absolutely. So just because you hear it today, but I like it, I want to do it, there's nothing wrong with it. Our imaginations of our heart are evil. So we take our desires, we fit them into what the word of God has to say, what God's commandments are. When they clash, what should change? Who should change? Us. Us. And that's where we have that problem today of, but it's not that big of a deal. Is it... For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Is that the right? Somewhere like that, yeah. That's frightening. Correct. And, you know, and, and like Jim had talked about, you know, I mean, you know, show your faith by your works. You know, there are those things, but it's to the word of God. Noah had to build the ark the way God said to build the ark, right? He had to put on the ark with God. What if he hadn't done the... the all the clean animals. Could he have done his offering afterwards? That's why there was an odd number. You know, he couldn't have done, he, he could not have done what needed to be done. God even prepared, whether it was what God told him to do or not, um, it was a teaching that had gone along, so no one knew that. And so God took care of that. What did you say? You said you say put your desire to God's word. Is that what you said? Um, Something like, like basically, just set it up against what your yeah. heart's desire. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What my heart's telling me, I apply it so to the word. Take the word of God, and it, you know, if it contradicts, well, then okay. it's not of God. Because you have those, you know, where you feel God leading you in, in particular directions. He's not going to lead you contrary <clears throat> to what His Word teaches. Okay. Okay. So it has to match up for that. Um, verse twenty-two. I, I like this verse as well. The earth remaineth. Seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. All right. So he says, as long as the earth is still here, we're going to have our seasons. That's where all of that is. Starting. Now, mind you, the earth is changing at this period of time. We have no idea what it was actually like prior to the flood okay we have rain now now it looks like we're going to have we had the day and the night here it's talking about winter it's talking about sea, um summer, summer um harvest. harvest times yeah second Peter three seven says but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day yeah that's right of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men so you know it's it's going to remain until the day of judgment, right? So we're going to have the earth. We're going to still have our seasons. You know, sometimes it's going to stay colder longer. Sometimes it's going to stay hotter longer. Um, but we're still going to have all, all of that, all right? So we kind of end chapter 8 there with them exiting. The animals are now roaming free. Uh, they're populating and all that kind of stuff's going on. So now we have our beautiful rainbow, right? Verse, let's see, verse one says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, fruitful, fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. 
All right. So now we have the life after the flood. It kind of changes a little bit. Um, Rick, will you do verse 2 for me, please? And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that move upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. So now we have a... The relationship between animals and man now suddenly change, right? Prior to this, who named all the animals? All right, so he, and prior to this, they ate of all the vegetables, of all the, the, the fruit of the trees, right? Even in, after the curse, it talked about having to till the ground, right? So you have, we don't know completely what that relationship was, it seems to be more of a uh, friendly, you know, I guess you could walk up to a saber-toothed tiger and pet it just fine. <laughs> and it may right? have talked. It may have talked, right? Walk around. You could have a pet woolly mammoth, you know, a T-Rex. There's no telling what you had. Now, what was that, that, that cartoon where the T-Rex acting like a dog? Is that uh, the meatballs? Well, yeah, not at the museum. There you go. You know? Yep. Um, you know, I don't want my own blue. <laughs> there you go. Own plots fly around with the, you know. Um, you know, so we don't know what that looked like. But now, pre post flood, we have a the animals are now going to fear man. Right? Typically, when you approach animals, they're very. That's a good thing. You know, they're very scared. The, the, the scary animals are the ones that aren't afraid of man. Wow. Right? Um, so, um, verse 3, who's next? Read verse 3 for me. <clears throat> Every moving, moving thing that shall live, that live shall be meat for you, even as the green herb I have given you all things. All right, so what's changed here now? Jake killing me. What's that? No more, no more vegetarianism, all right? Um, he, he lifts that idea of only vegetables. Um, we have animals are now um, to be eaten. Now, we know that later on he puts restrictions on what, what can be eaten. Um, in this one, the only restriction is verse floor, but first floor. I ain't not talking today. Uh, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. Some people say that the blood had to be completely drained. Others just said that it had to be completely dead. For whatever reason, it just <clears throat> there was an issue with staying away from you know the blood aspect of it. no drinking of the blood. All right, um, and then verses five and six. You want to start, Dwight? Okay. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. In verse six. Who so? Sheddeth man's blood by man, shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. So here you have the incorporation of capital punishment, a form of government. This is kind of where government begins. Alright? Um, if an animal kills a man, the animal is killed. If a man kills a man, you know, his life is, um, even talks in there about the brother uh, will require the life of man. Um, so this is kind of where, um, this is capital punishment instituted, uh, but this is, you know, kind of 
where the government kind of started. It was the laws and the rules and how to live. Prior to this would have been more of a um, head of the household family kind of, um, you know, the grandfather handled all the business and all that kind of stuff. You would have had families. Mm -hmm. Okay. But now in this situation, it's spreading all out. Um, so verses 8 through 17 is the rainbow. All right? You have... Um, let's just keep going. Yeah, just read one or one. We're going to read 8 through 17. Just read a verse and just go around the horn. Verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying... And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. With every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall I, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Robin. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud bow. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Jim. And uh, and it shall come to pass when I bring the cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I remember my covenant, which is it is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I rem may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. This is not to say that the, the, the rainbow was never around before, but it is now a picture of that promise. A covenant is to enter into a formal agreement or to stipulate to bind oneself by a contract, right? How that looks typically is man to man, if I enter into a covenant with one of you, um, basically we are both making an agreement by which each party binds himself to fulfill a certain condition and was assured of receiving certain advantages, right? Just we make a contract, we make a covenant. Typically the covenant with God to man is um, God's promise or agreement by God to do a certain thing or not do a certain thing, right? So a covenant looks a little different between God and man than it does man to man. We're making promises and there's rules and things set up and we gain certain things. God's is typically more of a promise. Oh man. Anybody ever heard of the, the, the covenants throughout the Bible? I'm not sure what you're asking. All right, so there are seven or eight covenants, all right? The first one, and we'll do this real quick, is the Edamic. All right, the Edamic covenant. 
Edemic, sorry. This is the covenant in Genesis of don't eat of this tree. You can eat of anything, but don't eat of this tree. If you do, you will surely what? Die. All right. So the reminder that we broke that covenant, that what God promised to us, life, is death. So every time someone dies, that is a picture that we broke what God promised us, all right? The second is the Edemic covenant, all right? That is also a Genesis. This is the promise of the seed of the crushing of the, the hurting of the heel, the crushing of the head, the seed, right? The picture of that is man's curse, right? Tilling of the ground, the, the, the pain in childbirth, all of that. Every time that happens, that reminds us that a Savior is to come, all right? Because we broke, uh, we, we broke all that. Um, Satan is also a reminder that Satan and mankind is constantly in turmoil. This is what's called the noetic. Noic, noic, all right? This is God makes a covenant with Noah that he will no longer wipe the earth out with a flood. Every time we see a rainbow, it is to remind us of that promise of God. So you understand that now? Now, there are several others, and, and we'll, we'll cover those as we come, but there are, depending on who you ask, there are anywhere from five to seven. It's not solid. It's anytime God makes a promise, it's a, it's a covenant, right? But there are several big ones. And, and, and these, these are three of the, you know, five to seven. I'm going to try to cover them as we go across them. But I just wanted to hit those. So every time there is death, it reminds us that we broke, broke that, that, that um, covenant with God. Every time that we... Something happens with the curse, pain, labor, whatever, that kind of stuff. That reminds us that even though we're cursed, there is the promise of that Redeemer. And then the rainbow is that there is coming judgment. It's just not going to be through floodwaters. It destroys the whole earth. Correct. Yeah. All right. So all that, you know, these, these all, this is answered in Christ. Um, this the noetic one will be answered, you know, when the earth is destroyed by fire, so forth and so on. Okay. All right, we're a little over. We're going to end there.